Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. And I'm welcoming and shouting out all the haters. Now, I'm not talking about mine, <laughs> though they exist. If there's two people that you'd want to listen to about this, I'm telling you right now, it, it's us because we're going to be raw and uncut. And now, it's Gabe Ramirez. Oh, you see the facial hair? This, this little baby <laughs> facial hair is until the Bears win. And now, Anthony Heron. I need another Paw Okay, I'm going to come turn yeah, it on in just yeah, a couple get, of get, moments, all right? Guy needs another Paw Patrol. Get your, give me like three minutes. I'm going to come turn on more Paw Patrol, okay? Anthony Heron and Gabe Ramirez on 670 The Score and 670thescore.com. Happy Wednesday, everybody. It is Gabe Ramirez. It is Anthony Heron. And we're hanging out with you guys till 9 o'clock. Doing the Lord's work. Giving you guys all the information you need. That's what it is, Ant. Ant worked yesterday. God did. Preach. Ant was working yesterday with uh, Speaks. And then today he gets a little later shift, man. Hanging out, hanging out with me today. Oh, yeah. um, and we get to talk about a lot of stuff. Uh White Sox have a have a position in the 2024 MLB draft. Um, Shohei Otani apparently has been talking to someone. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we get to talk to Bruce Levine about that at 620. He's out there getting all the all the information in Nashville. We'll do that in just a bit. Uh, but Ann, I really wanted to talk to you because I know you know you're you played not only in the NFL, but you played uh, at the University of Iowa. Mm-hmm. And they got shut out the other day by Michigan. And I was I was curious. <laughs> that? Well, I okay. was thinking about you, you know what I mean? And I'm like, damn, I wonder if Ant, you know, is like, yeah, whatever. Or if he's like, damn, I can't believe we lost the 20, you know, 26 to nothing. So I'm curious about what your thoughts were. Uh, the So the last time I actually went out to watch Iowa, because they've been in three Big Ten championship games in the last, I want to say, like seven or eight years or something like that. So when they went back in, I think it was 2016, um, we went to that one in person because I wasn't back with the the Big Ten Network yet. I was still uh, calling games and doing, doing studio shows for the Pac-12 Network. So I had that weekend off, and we were living here. And so me and my wife, you know, she's an Iowa grad as well, so we made the trip to Indy to go catch Iowa versus Michigan State in the Big Ten Championship game. So I saw that one in person, and that was a game. That was a Big Ten Championship game where Iowa – was in the thick of the college football playoff conversation because they had gone undefeated during the regular season, had big wins, and they were ranked, you know, well into the top ten. I don't remember exactly where, top seven somewhere. And Michigan State was a top ten team also. So the winner of that game was going to the college football playoff. 
And that was the one year Michigan State ended up making it. Mark D'Antonio was still the coach. And the game was, you know, it was a real cool game. It was a critical game. You know, like the Iowa had some deep pass plays early. It was – and the current – Offensive coordinator who is now on his way out because the administration, uh, you know, told him he'd have to be on his way out. Brian Ferentz, son of my old coach, Kirk Ferentz. He had a good offense that season. You know, Iowa opened up with a nice deep ball against Michigan State. You know, Lucas Oil Stadium comes to life. You know, the receiver, uh, I think it was uh, Tavon Smith maybe or something like that, hits the dab after he gets into the end zone because everybody was dabbing <laughs> that year. That was when Cam was in his prime. And um, it was cool. So the last couple I've been on the air, so I'm usually here in Chicago for the Big Ten Network. So I did post game after the Big Ten uh, championship game the other night on the Big Ten Networks. Me, Coach Weinstead, you know, we were in the studio breaking it all down. Uh, I, I certainly didn't anticipate Iowa's offense was going to do much against this Michigan defense because this version of Iowa's offense hasn't done much against the majority of the opponents that they've played this season. It's been a bit of a struggle on offense for Iowa this season. They've had moments, and there's certainly been some times like late in games where they get like a key run to ice it with like a 30-yard touchdown run from one of the backs or, you know, a nice screen pass to a tight end to move the sticks and they can run the clock out. It's been some of those moments for the Iowa offense this year, but not a lot of them. You know, backup quarterback, lose the two NFL tight ends, the top two tight ends, Eric All and Luke Lachey, both out for the season as well. Kate McNamara, the guy who transferred from Michigan, the quarterback starter is out, multiple offensive linemen out, and the receiver position wasn't deep anyway, and they were a bit banged up throughout the season. So you already have an offense that was mediocre at best, and then they just lost a bunch of their main, their best players, especially their, their best playmakers with the tight ends. You know, I was tight end you. So I didn't have high hopes. Friday's offense going into the game. The main hope that Hawkeye fans could have had in the Big Ten championship game was if this special defense that frankly isn't as talented as last year's Iowa defense. And uh, shout out to Phil Parker, Iowa's defensive coordinator, who's just announced today. I was tweeting about it a little bit earlier. He's finally won the Broyles Award, which is for the top assistant coach in college football. He's just been incredible. You know, throughout his career as the D coordinator at Iowa, and this is the first time he's won the Broyles Award. So, you know, uh, congratulations to Phil Parker on that. But I thought Iowa's defense was going to have to be exceptional in shutting down the Michigan offense, and Iowa's special teams were going to have to be special in that game. But one of those phases was going to have to make a play to put Iowa's offense in position for points, which has frequently happened over the years for Kirk Ferentz coach teams. Unfortunately for Iowa as well, as their defense played, making J.J. McCarthy, local kid here from suburban Chicago, they made him look as uncomfortable as J.J. McCarthy's looked at any point in this season for him leading Michigan's offense. You know, they got four sacks in the game, penetrating into the backfield. He's holding the ball with the coverage on the back end, patting it around, just looked very, very hesitant, more so than he usually has at any other point this season. Defense played really well, but Michigan's offense protects the football at a really high level, and they did that in that game. So there were no self-inflicted wounds there. Michigan is not an abundantly um, penalty-prone team. So there there was no self-inflicted wounds there either. So Michigan never really put themselves behind the eight ball with any unforced errors. And then special teams actually went advantage Wolverines with a huge punt return that set up their initial touchdown of the game inside the 10-yard line. And then also there was a big play they made on defense. It was a really controversial call as far as the, the, on the field. The call was that Iowa's quarterback 
It uh, was ruled initially an incomplete pass. Michigan's blitz package ends up getting there. They actually overruled the incomplete and said it was a sack and a forced fumble. Then they said it was an immediate recovery, which wasn't really was a, a call they probably shouldn't have overturned on that end either. So that was Michigan's two touchdowns were on short fields, one from, from special teams and one from um, you know from a call that got overturned by the officials, which you know seemed a bit of a reach from the officiating crew. So Iowa's defense played really well. Iowa's special teams got outplayed a little bit by the Wolverines. And Michigan is just good in all phases of the game and have been throughout the season. So if there's any team that you go into that matchup saying Iowa's physicality wasn't going to overwhelm them, it's Michigan. Iowa having a big advantage defense and special teams against the majority of their opponents, that was, you know, at best going in a push against Michigan and special teams went advantage to Jim Harbaugh's Wolverines and a couple of elements there. So it was, it was uh, the final score, 26 to nothing. It, the final score was more lopsided than the actual action of the game was, but in the end, Iowa just mounted zero offense. Literally zero offense was mounted by the Hawkeyes, so the Wolverines ended up having a comfortable win. Yeah, and it, I mean, it, that's been the case all year long, right? Winning a ton of games with you know some good defense and try, yeah. trying to put together some stuff. It was interesting was, you know, getting uh, Buddy from Michigan. I'm drawing a blank right now. Uh, J.J. McCarthy? No, 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 no. The one that went from Michigan to Iowa. Oh, K. McNamara. Yeah, yeah. K. McNamara. Uh And then, you know, getting him, I'm sure they all thought they were going to get some more offense. Right. Kind of peaked in. But Michigan handles business, right? Mm -hmm. They get the W. They move into first place in the college football playoffs. It comes out. And it's uh, Michigan, Washington, Texas, and then Alabama. Uh, Did you have any issues with that when that came out? So I didn't. I, I think that, you know, Florida State, had a remarkable year, undefeated, ACC champ, 13-0. and And I was talking about some of the issues and injuries that Iowa had on offense, most notably for Florida State, the injury that they had at quarterback, their starter, uh, uh, Jordan Travis, ends up having to leave the lineup. And he was one of the better playmakers, really, in program history. And we know the history of quarterbacks at Florida State. But as far as putting, you know, touchdowns on the board, being a multidimensional talent, making plays with his legs and with his arm, there's very few in the history of that program who've been as statistically spectacular as Jordan Travis. But then he has to miss. He ends up, you know, leaving the, uh, getting injured and missing the the last few games of the regular season, and he's going to be out. You know, even going in through the NFL draft process, he's going to be injured for a while before he's actually healthy enough to go back on the field and start competing again. Now, he got hurt in a non-conference game late in the year uh, against Northern Alabama, and so they don't have him. So their backup goes in, Tate Rodemaker. All right, what's he going to look like? So everybody's kind of watching that closely because Florida State has been in the college football playoff picture for the bulk of the season. They had big non-conference wins early over LSU, and one later in the season over there in state rival Florida. So Tate Rodemaker goes in the lineup. They continue to win games, but he's unimpressive while he's in there. Then he gets injured in their final game of the season. Then this other guy, Brock Glenn, actually has to start and play in the ACC championship game. To their credit, they continue to win these games with other quarterbacks, Rodemaker, Ordinary, Glenn, Bad, but he was a true freshman who'd attempted four passes all season. So it's not surprising that he was bad against a good Louisville team. But that, to me, it certainly was a factor. And the committee chair talked about it a little bit in the college football playoff conversation. But to me, as far as me agreeing with the committee, it's not as much of an anti-Florida State opinion as it is a pro-Alabama opinion for mm. me. And I'm usually a 
in the conversation about the college football playoff, it basically comes down to whether you believe it should be the four best teams or the four, four most deserving teams. And both are subjective because aside from a situation where Texas and Alabama have met on the field this year and you have that tangible evidence to say Texas was better on the field that day, so Texas is a better team than Alabama. You can't move Alabama beyond Texas unless the win-loss record you know, ends up dictating that. To me, beyond that, it's all subjective when you actually haven't faced each other on the field frequently. And Alabama's strength of schedule was better. Alabama went through the SEC undefeated, so their only loss on the season was against Texas. They lost at home in Tuscaloosa. Texas ended up at three. Alabama ended up at four. Alabama was just playing better football than Florida State by the end of the season. And their wins overall, you know, between beating LSU, beating Ole Miss, you know, another highly ranked team. Now, Tennessee, I wasn't as impressed with Tennessee this season. That was another ranked victory that Alabama had. And then they closed out in the SEC championship game, beating the number one team in the country. So, yes, Alabama had a loss to the number three team in the country on their slate. Florida State finished unblemished. They had no losses on the season. That, to me, I I don't think it's – to me, it's not what the playoff structure is designed for, is to say that just if you're undefeated – then you should automatically make it over a one-loss team. Alabama won their conference. The SEC is not only historically better than the ACC, but even this season in particular, the SEC wasn't as deep, wasn't as good this year as it's been over the past 20 years. This is probably the least impressive version of the SEC that we've seen during the college football playoff era. But with that in mind, it was still decidedly better than the ACC this year. The ACC was down. The ACC was a fairly weak conference this season. Florida State won that to their credit. I was cool with Florida State being at five. Are they the fifth best team in the country? I I wouldn't pick them over Georgia either, let alone Alabama or the other teams who finished in the top four. But in the end, I wasn't going to lose sleep if the committee could put Florida State in. They didn't. My vote would have gone towards Alabama for the reasons I was kind of laying out here. The resume of the Crimson Tide – and the fact that they finished the season on a higher note, on a stronger note, with their starting quarterback making plays against the number one team in the country. Florida State was on their third-team quarterback. He didn't look good. When the backup (laughs) was in there, he was really mediocre as well. So for me, that's kind of what it came down to. I I thought Florida State had an an, an exceptional season, but for this year, the deepest class of like playoff potential teams, there's like eight different squads that really were worthy of college football playoff consideration. So in most years, probably any other year, Florida State would have made the playoff. This just happened to be in this final year of the four-team playoff. This was the year where you, you just really couldn't get away with looking ordinary or less than ordinary, you know, when you're playing in championship weekend. Yeah, you got three, three undefeated teams. I mean, you know, so, I mean, the, the assumption there is that they feel like they should be making it in, in – and and what is the college football playoff and the the uh, requirements for? It. So that's yeah. what was tough about it. But I mean, the, the reality is Michigan would have stomped FSU, right? And then that would so so nobody wanted to give anyone a cakewalk, and that, that's the real answer. You heard what they said. It's funny to hear like Ron DeSantis say uh, he wants to sue over the Florida State <laughs> University snub. Of course right? he does. Like things yeah. things like that, right? But you know, you do you heard you heard uh, Norvell talking talking yesterday, and just in the disappointment in his voice, and you understand mm. it. But I think ultimately the games that are going to be played in that final four are really good teams that you can't necessarily say it's a surefire fact that A is going to happen, B is going to happen, C is going to happen. 
You right. you really want to watch these games and get I mean, a lot of folks thought TCU was trash last year. They yeah. ended up beating Michigan ended up in the semifinal. So, you know, there's no way to say that with Florida State playing as well on defense as they've played all year, especially what they showed the other day against that Louisville offense, I, I'm, I'm not here to say Florida State wouldn't have beaten anybody in the playoff, but you're only allowed to pick four teams. It's just designed where there's going to be a Power Five conference on the outside looking in. For a bunch of years, it's been the Pac-12. In a number of years, it's also been the Big 12. Like this season, it happened to end up being the ACC because the, the league just hasn't been as good. Florida State had an exceptional resume to me. They ended up having the fifth best season and championship run in the country and not one of the top four. Yeah, and you know what, and I'm, I'm excited to talk a little bit more college football with you who to see who you think is going to win the Heisman, okay. uh, what you think about this transfer portal. We'll get into all that as the show continues. But up next, uh, Bruce Levine, our uh, baseball insider. He's out in Nashville at the winter meetings. He's been hearing everything. You know, not because he got big ears, but because his ears to the street. You know what I'm saying? He's he's hearing everything. We get an opportunity to hear firsthand uh, up next. So don't go anywhere. Bruce Levine joins us and tells us all the newest happenings surrounding not only Shohei Otani, but Major League Baseball as a whole. I'm Gabe Ramirez. He's Anthony Heron. We'll be right back with that on 670 The Score. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. <sighs> Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. We're back live with more of Anthony Heron and Gabe Ramirez on 670 The Score and Odyssey Station. I think, you know, it's it's deserved um, because he's he's very unique. So it's it's really cool what's happening. And I think as a baseball fan, we all want to know where the great players are going to play. Does Craig Council sound like Rick Hahn? Uh, or is it just me? Because I was like, I was, I was going to Tyler 
tired of Beauty Ball producing today, ladies and gentlemen. And I was like, is that Rick Hahn? <laughs> no, I, I can like, hear that a little bit. Yeah, Craig's got maybe a little slightly deeper voice, but no, I, I, yeah. I can hear some similarities there. Well, uh, the good thing is he is playing by the rule book. Anthony Gabe Ramirez, Anthony Heron mm-hmm. here, six seventy score. By whose rule book, Gabe? Shohei Otani's. We know we know uh. the rule maker and we know the rule book, <laughs> and we know rule number one: do not talk about the rule book. Shohei Otani's <laughs> like Fight Club. Exactly, exactly. Rule number one and two, and there's some people that are breaking it, and I. I'm wondering if they're going to have to pay the consequences. And that uh-huh. uh, we may be able to find out from our next guest. Uh, joining us right now on the guest hotline presented by Circus Sports Illinois. It is our very own insider here on 670 The Score. Of course, he contributes to Marquee Sports Network as well. He's out in Nashville at the winter meetings. It is Bruce Levine. Bruce, good to talk to you. Uh, good to talk to you guys, too. And uh, I think later on uh, in that file that you have from Craig Council talking earlier today to the media, myself and a lot of other reporters, uh, he was asked directly whether or not he had talked to Shohei Otani, and he said, no, he has not. So uh, as far as keeping everything off the record, in this case, uh, it was the uh, anti-Dave Roberts who proudly talked about the fact that he had talked to Shohei Otani as part of the vetting by the Dodgers for Otani and signing there. So uh, give credit to um, counsel for saying directly when directly asked, no, I haven't been a part of any discussion with Shohei Otani. Yeah, it's like you can't be – nobody cares if you're a liar if you bring home Shohei Otani, Bruce. That's the <laughs> that's the reality, right? No one's going to call him on that a little bit later, you know? No, you're right, you're right about that. <laughs> but I don't think in his first meeting with mass media at the winter meetings – Council is about to lie about something like that and have to end up talking about that for the rest of his career as with the Cubs for the next five years. Yeah, it makes sense. But um, the Cubs are in a good position, and it seems as though they have been having conversations, Bruce. So um, what, what's like the not, – not a rumor, but what seems like a certainty to you uh, for the Chicago Cubs coming out of the winter meetings? I, I will give you one certainty. They have not been told that they're out of the running for Otani. There have been a lot of reports today. I think our friend Bob Nightingale, USA Today, wrote a story saying that <clears throat> the Cubs were out, and uh, I think that's been uh, debunked by the uh, the Cubs uh, brass that uh, they have not been uh, told that they're out of anything at this point in time. So I don't think the Otani people have made their decision, and at any point during that decision, I'm sure the Cubs and the other teams that have been involved will be told that they are no longer in. It doesn't really make sense that the Cubs would not let people know that they've been told they're out of it at this point. Uh, you know, But the, the heavy favorite continues to, to still be, in most people's eyes, the Dodgers. So with that in mind, Bruce, is we're all just kind of seemingly guessing as to to what Shohei Otani values as, as he and his representatives are, are going through this process in, in a, a large degree of secret, what is your understanding of what he does value? I mean, we've been talking about geography and, of course, the money that will be historic in, in whatever way Anthony, it gets signed. nobody knows. Nobody knows because this is a player that has played in Southern California in a big market in Anaheim for six years. And I was talking to a few of the reporters, and I said, you know, how – how humbling was it to have to deal on a daily basis with a guy that will tell you nothing about himself personally, that will talk not even about himself as a player except after he pitches. 
Uh, this man had not talked to the, the Angels media since uh, the middle of August when he hurt himself and last pitched. He only talked after he pitched in his entire career with the Angels. Hmm. These reporters, and a lot of them excellent reporters that have been around forever, were, um, were pretty much humbled by the fact that they don't know anything about Otani other than he works 12 hours every day in the cage and he works on hitting and pitching when he's healthy enough and that nobody outworks the guy and that nobody knows Zippo about him other than the fact that uh, he doesn't talk to the media. And it's not a it's not one of those, you know, he got burned somewhere. It's just mm. something that they've adhered to in Los Angeles that I don't know if that would fly in a city like Chicago. He does seem comfortable enough when he does address the media, Bruce. What's your sense for, for why he's, he's No, he really of... doesn't. I mean, he doesn't talk to him, Anthony. I mean, where, where, where have you seen him talk to the media? I, mean, I guess the, it's uh, in moments at the All-Star game when he does yeah, smile. And he's, he right. doesn't seem very sheepish in the public eye, aside well, from... We, we were told that Otani... So the BBWAA reporters... Uh, were on a conference call waiting to talk to Otani uh, a week ago or 10 days ago when he was named the MVP, okay? It's two weeks ago now. And we waited for a half hour, and then we were told because of technical difficulties, hmm. he wasn't going to address. And what we were told off the record later by people that were close to the situation was Otani didn't want to talk about his free agency, didn't want to talk about his dog, and the dog's name, and therefore he didn't do it. Okay, so I'm not, I'm not holding this against Otani. I don't think any fans out there care listening to this, whether he talks to the media or not. But the fact is, we don't know much about Otani, and that that's that's indirectly answering you, Anthony. That there is not a lot of intel about the guy after playing Major League Baseball for six years, other than. He sleeps 12 hours a day. He works 12 hours a day. And other personal things we know very little about. I think the mistake they were making, Bruce, is no one uh, decided in those six years to learn Japanese. I think you might have I been agree. able to have a better, better shot of you know, I'm still build. regretting not taking French instead of Spanish <laughs> in high school. I mean, what a mistake that was. See, and when it came, we're talking to Bruce Levine here on 670 The Score. Gabe Ramirez, Anthony Heron. I mean, Bruce, what's your personal opinion in, in regards? Because most two people are people are on either side of the fence, right? It's either, yes, give Shohei, Shohei the money, I want him here, or that money can be used to bring in different kinds of assets. Well, I, I think that they're going to be bringing in different types of assets. Uh, Jed Hoyer talked today to the media about the fact that uh, they are in discussions for trades. They are in discussions with other free agents. They're not going to be sidetracked by this for very long, that the meetings here have been slow, as you guys have seen, you know, with with the very little action here at this point in time. Only one big trade made yesterday it didn't affect any Chicago teams. So from from that, uh, that, that perspective, I mean, the Cubs are in on talks for Tyler Glasnow, the, uh, the pitcher from the Tampa Rays. He's going to be moved. Uh, there was a report today in USA Today that uh, he was going to be traded for Christopher Morrell. We were told by a source that Morrell is not being talked about for Glass now. But the fact is, the Cubs are very interested in Glass now, and they need starting pitching. They need a starting pitcher like Glass now, who's got a power arm, but has really not been healthy enough to pitch an entire season to this point in his career. 
does the pursuit of Shohei Otani slow up pursuits elsewhere just from a resource perspective? Uh, expand a little bit on that, Anthony. Because you, you may have to make an unprecedented sort of investment in Shohei Otani if they nab him. Does it slow them up at all while trying to figure out if they're going to have to make the Shohei Otani no. investment? So, so I can answer this. By, I talked to my friend Mike Rizzo uh, from Chicago, who's the general manager, president general manager of the uh, Washington team. And he said, if you're making a commitment for a guy like Otani, you have to be prepared to spend $300 million in payroll. Okay. So if you're doing that, you're spending the extra amount to make sure that you have a competitive team around him. You're not... You're not, you know, trying to say, okay, we'll do a little this year and then more next year. You're saying we're all in, you know, your 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 chips are all in the middle of the pot. Uh, so th- that's the commitment you have to make there. Now, do the Cubs spend $300 million if they don't get it, Otani? No. They make some other stealth moves that um, are going to have to help the team at center field, at third base, at first base, two bullpen guys, a starting pitcher. That's where they're, they're still going to go. But they're probably not going to go to the point where they're spending $300 million. Maybe, you know, they, they up it to 240 or 250 But uh, I, I think the, the one good thing that Cub fans can depend on is the Cubs are ready to roll. They're not bringing in Craig Council for $8 million a year as they perceive the top manager of the game. They have one of the top farm systems in the game right now. They are ready to roll, and they've been given – the green light by ownership to go and spend the money where you feel it's viable. I love hearing that if you're going to go get Otani, then that means, you know, there's an understanding at that level that you have to spend in other areas in order to have a competitive team. Cause you know, a lot of sports fans look at teams like, you know, the Carolina Panthers in the NFL where they have a star player, but nothing around them. Even the bears for that matter, a couple of years ago, depending on how you feel about Justin Fields. So, it is reassuring to hear that, hey, you know what, no, 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 the notion isn't just to bring in a player and have him fill seats. It's bringing a player, add things around him, because that's ultimately what, what will bring a winner in this case. Right. And, uh, Bruce, a lot of people, you know, <clears throat> if it's not Otani, there's still a lot of people that are high on, on Cody Bellinger uh, from last year. I right? had a great season, but people are like, ah, we, we don't think we're going to get him, but, but they're still holding on to hope. But and I know that's dependent upon how many teams are interested in him. What's the buzz been like on Cody Bellinger out there? The last thing I heard was, and I, I haven't verified it, is that uh, Scott Boris, who will talk to the media tomorrow on his dog and pony show here, as he does at every <laughs> you know it's winter be meetings. Funny. <laughs> right. Well, it'll be 200 people and him standing on a soapbox, literally, and uh, his logo in the background. And uh, he will talk about the fact that uh, there are seven or eight teams that are interested in this guy. Uh, I heard the numbers as high as uh, wanting somewhere around uh, 10 years at 28 to $30 million. Okay. So is he going to get that? I don't know. Now, once the the Otani market has been decided, uh, you have the most potent left-handed bat available out there is Bellinger. How many teams need that bat? How many of those teams that don't get Otani are going to be interested in adding Bellinger, who is not only – is not just a DH, but a first baseman, a center field of quality, gold glove material, both positions, can steal 20 to 30 bases and hit 300 last year. So from all of that, the Bellinger market might take a while to shake out. Will the Cubs be around if they don't get Otani? I think they will, but I, I don't think those numbers are realistic. 
I've said that before on Scott Boros players, and I was wrong. Okay, so we'll see if he gets that kind of money and if that's the realistic goal for Boros and Bellinger during his free agency. Where do you think things will go with Marcus Stroman? Well, I, you know, it's, it's really funny, Anthony, that you, you asked me that because his name hasn't been bandied about that much. Mm-hmm. With, the, uh, with the way that his season ended, uh, compared to how it started, you, know, you have a tale of two different players. One, an all-star who was going to opt out and maximize the fact that he was still one of the top ten pitchers in Major League Baseball as a starter. Then you had the injuries slash uh, failures that he had from the, the middle of uh, July on that was a totally different picture. So it, it's kind of like a buyer beware situation. You have the ability to get a top pitcher who can be uh, one or two in your rotation. And at the same time, you have to worry about whether he's going to pitch, whether he's going to give you 30 starts, which, which is what you're going to want. So I think I think his market will develop a little bit slower. I I still think there'll be a lot of interest for him. I think he'll still get really good money, but it might be one of those creative contracts where you have uh, two years guaranteed and the third and fourth year mutual options where he can opt out, go out to free agency again if he wants to, and the team can get out of the contract if it's not working out. We're talking to Bruce Levine here on 670 The Score. Gabe Ramirez, Anthony Heron, Bruce out in Nashville, at the Major League Baseball winter meetings. You know, Bruce, I'm curious as to, you know, what this roster is going to look like in regards to the young people, right? Not only just the ones that are on the team, but the ones that will be supposed to be invited down and and maybe might not make it because they could potentially be a part of of some sort of trade. I know we talked a lot Mm -hmm. about money uh, being spent, but they do have a lot of assets as well that they can move. Is there, are there, are there some that, that, that seem like surefire pieces, like you heard Christopher Morell's name out there. Are there others included in that? Yeah, I, I think that the, the, the system is really strong and that it's robust enough to be able, be able to trade some pieces off and not feel like uh, you've given up the entire farm system. So uh, I don't see that, uh, you know, Armstrong is going to get traded. I think he's still going to uh, be looked at as the top prospect that he is by the organization. I don't know how he's going to be looked at by people outside of it after only 19 at-bats and striking out seven times and looking overmatched, uh, making some plays in the outfield and on the bases that didn't look like ready. But they still believe in his talent. I think most people who have watched him play believe that he's a, uh, a superior talent and that can be a, a very good Major League Baseball player. So I, I, I would hope that he gets a chance to continue to come along you're going to see two pitchers in 2024 that should help the Cubs a lot. And that's Ben Brown, a pitcher they obtained from Philadelphia after a trade, uh, I think, last year for David Robertson. And also uh, the jewel of the pitching minor league system is uh, Cade Horton, who is a right-handed pitcher and throws 97 or 98 with a hellacious breaking ball. They feel... uh, with the continued progress that he's made by midseason, that he will be in the rotation. Not just a pitcher coming up, not just a peripheral guy, but a, a pitcher that can be a one or a two in their rotation. So uh, I'm with you, I'm with you, Gabe. The, the organization should continue to promote that. 
uh, Hoyer talked a little bit about that very subject today, that he wants uh, the continued uh, progress of the minor league players, no matter how they enhance the team, they want openings for their young players to come through the system and be contributors at the major league level. What do you think a reasonable timeline is to expect on, on Shohei Otani? Like, it, could I potentially buy my son a Christmas jersey? Would it be done by then? Yeah, I would be, be, get multiple logos for that right now if you're going to buy okay. it right now. Right. No, I, I think I think they feel I, – I think the industry feels it's coming to a head that he's doing his last interviews with people. And make no mistake about it, Shohei Otani is doing the interviewing much more than the teams are in these circumstances. So I, I think realistic timetable would be this weekend or early next week that he makes his decision where he's going to go. There's too many teams being held up. I don't think he wants to do that. I think he's got his mind made up. He's got it down to certain teams. There's not going to be any things that are unanswered for him. And, you know, go ahead and make the move. It's a, if it's the Dodgers, okay, everybody else proceed. You know, move on, be disappointed for a short period of time, and then move on to wh- whoever else is available out there. He, Atani alone is, is going to make you a much better team, but he's not going to be the only reason. It's not Michael Jordan coming to your team. He's not going to be the one to take you to uh, the World Series every year. You have to have plenty of stuff around him, and the Cubs have work to do. Well, I know that uh, if anything does happen with Shohei, uh, we are going to hear it here first on 670 The Score from Bruce Levine. Bruce, uh, enjoy the rest of your evening. I know you're headed to Broadway Street right now to Honky Tonk Highway to go, you know, have Wrong music. <laughs> if this was Memphis okay. and we're talking about a blues bar, yeah, I'm there. Girl, okay. Right, this is a, the wrong <laughs> music Street. for yep. me. Uh, okay. Yep. Bruce, yeah. have a good Now goal. you're talking. Get some rest, and <laughs> we'll talk talking. to you soon. All, All right. right. See you guys. Bruce Levine uh, right here on 670 Score. Uh, I knew it. Now, I, I would say it. the music scene, I don't know if you've been to Nashville, Gabe. The music yeah. scene is expanding a bit. We, yeah. we lived in Nashville 2006 until the early part of 2008. And country music is definitely still where it's at. You know, that's that's the main thing driving the music and in some ways the entertainment industry with a lot more like TV shows and movies getting filmed in Nashville. But it's become a good sports hub. And from a musical perspective, you know, you got a lot more folks who are like transplants who move into Nashville who've brought, you know, a little bit more variety to the music scene there. It's, you know, still honky-tonk bar. Yeah, no yeah, doubt yeah. about that. Yeah, I, I went a few to, other things sprinkled in. I went to Nashville a couple of years ago, and I went okay. with, like, a couple of my bar buddies. So we went to, like, some off-the-beaten path, yeah. like, local dives. And so those those were pretty <laughs> good, man. We were, we ran into some really cool places. But Nashville certainly is growing, and I know, I know that you they're – welcoming Bruce Levine down there right now. Getting so in. one thing that just, and you know, I, I don't mind a little karaoke. I, I don't mind hitting the, the hitting the mic down there. But when you do that, when you hit the karaoke mic in Nashville, it's a different vibe. Like you'll have people hit the stage yeah. with their guitar, playing the piano, like people who are like waiting on a record deal just any moment now. So it's, it's like professional karaoke people when you go to Nashville. It's a different vibe. Yeah. All right. Well, you do a little karaoke while we go to break. Uh, and then, uh, Tyler, don't sing anything except uh, for queuing up that Kurt Warner cut. Uh, it was Anthony Heron and Matt Spiegel yesterday were talking to Kurt Warner, and he had a, a really interesting story about potentially playing with the Chicago Bears. Uh, what went wrong? Why didn't it happen? Uh, you'll hear it on the other side. It's Gabe Ramirez. It's Anthony Heron. It's Chicago Sports Radio, 670 to score. After the end of a good fight, 
You deserve an ice cold reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter, and Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly, beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Anthony Heron and Gabe Ramirez on 670 The Score. So why uh, did Kurt Warner miss his opportunity to be a member of the Chicago Bears? Well, he's going to tell us that in just a second. It's Gabe Ramirez. It's Anthony Heron. It's Chicago Sports Radio 670 The Score. Ant was filling in for Danny Parkins yesterday, and he sat with Matt Spiegel, and they had the chance to talk to Kurt Warner. So set this up for me, Ant. Like, what? Because I know there was, like, some questions leading up to his, his, his uh, story. So, as Speaks and I were talking to Kurt, normally when they have Kurt Warner in the afternoon show, it's usually in reacting to Justin Fields, the latest Bears game. But, of course, the Bears coming off a bye. Then there was no Justin Fields-specific performance to react to. So, spent a little bit of time setting up Monday Night Football game. But majority of it was about Kurt and his path, his journey through the NFL and how it relates to some of the quarterbacks we're watching play around the league right now. As most, most folks know, Kurt's path was a little bit circuitous before he kind of got on his Hall of Fame trajectory. It was a little bit of a slow starter, if you will. But a part of that slow start, as he was kind of bouncing in and out of the league a little bit, and, you know, he's probably just recently finishing bagging some groceries at Hy-Vee, back in Iowa or something like that. And he had a workout that was set up with the Chicago Bears. And unfortunately, perhaps fortunately for Kurt, there was a couple of different reasons that workout didn't end up taking place. Yeah, ironically enough, I was almost a bear. I shouldn't say almost, but I had a chance to be a bear twice. But uh, the first time around was, I'm surprised that we hadn't shared this story on here yet. But, um, you know, when I was playing arena football and I was just trying to figure out a way to get back into the league, just looking for an opportunity to get back into the league. And uh, one of the coaches that was in the uh, arena league uh, at the time, you know, knew the general manager there at with the bears, I believe, and made a call and said, Hey, you need to check this guy out. He was trying to get me out of the arena league, but I was all for it because uh, you know, it was an opportunity to get into the NFL. So he had reached out to the bears and told them they needed to try me out. So they called to set up a tryout um, with me. And obviously I was excited knowing that, you know, at this point I was 27 years old. So getting to that point where I wasn't going to get many of these uh, many more opportunities. So they called me and wanted to set up a workout. And so we set up a workout for, you know, that particular week. Um, and, you know, I went in to tell my wife how excited I was about this workout. And I could just see her looking at me and she wasn't showing the same kind of excitement. And so I was like, okay, what's wrong? Why are you not excited for me? And, you know, in the course of being excited about, you know, another shot at it, I forgot that I was getting married that weekend. So my wife said, you can't go to a workout. We're getting married. And I was like, oh, gosh, of course. So I had to call the Bears back and, um, you know, said, okay, sorry, forgot I was getting married, but any other time I am in. So we set the workout up for the next week. 
And so we'll go back and tell my wife, I got it taken care of. We're going to do it next week. She gave me the look again. And I'm like, okay, now what? And she's like, we're going to be in Jamaica on our honeymoon next week. Okay. So I called the bears back a third time and said, or a second time and said, you know, I need to reschedule again, but any other time, I promise I got nothing else on my calendar. So we go on our trip to Jamaica and the last night before we were going to leave Jamaica, uh, I got bit by something on my throwing elbow. Uh, still to this day, we don't know what it was. Um, the people over there said it could have been a centipede or a scorpion, or they really don't know. But uh, my throwing elbow swelled up about the size of a grapefruit. Uh, you know, fever, sweats, all of this stuff when I was flying back, everything. And so once again, I had to call the Bears back and tell them, you know, I can't do the workout this time either because I got bit by something on my honeymoon. And, you know, at this time, I'm sure they're just rolling their eyes like, who in the heck is this guy that we're trying to give this workout to? And he just excuse after excuse. So needless to say, they never called me back after that. Um, But about two and a half weeks later, I got a call from the Rams and the Rams decided to bring me in for a workout and uh, and end up signing with them. Okay, that is insane. I didn't hear right? that story. I didn't hear that right? story. What? You know, when he told me, he's like, when he's like, when, I, when I'm listening to the story and I hear him say, my elbow got bit, and we still don't even know what it was to this day. God, Kurt, it was God. <laughs> like, don't look any further. He was help, He was he was leading you down a path, and it did not include that Divine of the Chicago Bears. intervention. It oh did my not allow God. Kurt Warner to come and work out for the Chicago Bears. I mean, just think about it, man, because I was, you know, been in similar situations. My career once I landed, didn't end up taking a Hall of Fame trajectory as Kurtz did. But, you know, I was the guy who bounced in and out of the league a little bit. Went and played some arena football and came back. And you're, you're waiting on these private workouts with teams. You get flown here and flown there. You want to seize every opportunity that you can. And so it was Kurt. It worked out for a few different teams. And he'd had some success in the arena football league. And so that opportunity comes. And I, I would guess it was either, like at the time, Mike Hohensy, I believe, was still the, the coach for the Chicago Rest. It was probably either Mike Hohensy or maybe a Gene Nudo. I would imagine was uh, one of the individuals who may have reached out to the Bears on his behalf at that point. So you got another workout. The next workout is set up, you know, because he initially signed with the Green Bay Packers out of college as an undrafted free agent. Didn't go well there. You know, they already had Brett Favre. They weren't looking for anything else, and he didn't make it there. So he was out of the league for years playing arena football and playing in NFL Europe before getting that opportunity with the Rams. But just think of how – who knows how different things could have been, how differently things might have worked out if Kurt Warner ends up with the Bears and gets signed by them at some point. Maybe he flourishes here in Chicago. Jim Miller was the QB, uh, I think, around that same time when Kurt would have been rolling through. Or, you know, maybe things would have fizzled for some reason because it's so much about situation, about opportunity, about personnel that's surrounding you and the system that you end up in. And uh, Kurt ended up in a, in a great spot, and he seized it, of course. In that time, he was in St. Louis with the Rams. But, man, Kurt Warner, Hall of Famer, uh, could have had an opportunity with the Chicago Bears. Could have been the greatest show on dirt. <laughs> <laughs> it could have been. been a little different. Got a little different uh, ring to it. Hey, dirty. It's grimy. Chicago it. has a little grit uh, to it. You know, the greatest right. show on dirt. No doubt, man. Been that, but, no but you know doubt. what? It's, it's funny to hear it. I'm glad that he was able to. To share that with you, did you guys? Did your paths ever cross in uh, 
Yeah, the, quite a bit, quite okay. a bit. Actually, just um, in years since then, like he's older than me, so we didn't play against okay. each other in, in arena football or anything like that. But we did a bunch of broadcasts together years ago at the NFL Network oh, during nice. football broadcasting, and you know, become you know friendly over the years. We'll text each other here and there about different things. When he had his movie coming out, you know, he would send me a few things because he knows we yeah. you know, we had our AFL histories together. So when he's on on set when they're filming the movie about his life story, he was nice enough to. You know, text me a few images just with That's the arena dope. football nets up and the goalposts and everything like that just when they were filming everything back <laughs> a few years ago. So, yeah, he's a, he's a really good guy. He's turned into an exceptional broadcaster on TV and radio. And it's nice that he always continues to credit the, uh, the Arena League for yeah. the success he ended up having and, you know, how that got him into a very quick rhythmic reading of defenses and getting the ball out of his hands quickly and what that ended up doing for the success that he had in that offense in St. Louis and how that just set up his receivers, Torrey Holt and Isaac Bruce, the way they ran after the catch and how decisive he was as a quarterback and taking advantage of the opportunity when Trent Green went down and they play the clip every time he comes on the afternoon show about how Dick Vermeil saying we're going to rally behind Kurt Warner and they certainly did, man. And, and the rest, as they say, was history. Yeah. All I heard, though, Ant, was that Justin Fields needs to go play Arena Football League. All right, ah, uh, coming up we'll next, we'll we, we, uh, we got a really good guest on this show. He is former Pro Bowler and All-Pro Lions safety, Glover Quinn. He's going to be joining the show to talk about the upcoming matchup the Bears have. He's going to also tell us uh, what he thinks about Justin Fields, his opinion, and whether or not Jared Goff can keep up this pace of turning the ball over. We talked to Glover Quinn on the other side. It's Gabe. It's Ant, 670 to score. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. Oh, oh, oh. Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, oh, oh. 